down all the way to Alfred's, and then down Montana, and then back up. That's a that's a real good distance. Yeah, it was like it was like forty minutes of pretty solid riding, like I, like, like a lot of hills. Where did I go the other day? Oh yeah, I, every now and then I get a hankering for like a fruit smoothie, so I go I go check out the Acai Nation. Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't been there, but I'm well aware that it exists. It's all right. It's all right. I haven't been to the juice bar. I want to try the juice bar, but only because they have so many people. I'm like, oh, get out of here, people. As soon as you see how much the juice bar charges for oh, anything, no. you're going to not want to buy anything. There, I promise you. Oh, man. You're going to be like, it's an $8 juice. Oh. And you're going to be like, no, thank you. I promise. I promise you, you'll 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 be sick. Mm. Man, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to chill your vibe. Maybe that's the big dilemma of living in Brentwood. You know, it's just you know I want to get a smoothie and it's like oh that'll be twelve dollars. Been to Creation? No, I haven't been to Create. Wait, uh, what is Creation? That's that's the one that um has all like the wooden paneling. I think. Yeah. No, I haven't. No, what is that place? They're they're like an like an organic acai smoothie style place. It's oh, like no. super popular. Is it expensive? Of, it's it's probably like around the same boat, but it's. it's you're gonna get more for your money than you more bang for my buck, more acai for my buck. I'm just, I'm just saying you should try it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're give it a shot. There. You should try it. Although I've been kind of craving Alfred, and I'm out of coffee, so maybe I'll go to Alfred tomorrow. Yeah, you should go. Out. A little morning walk. Maybe. What time do they open? They open way before I wake up. So. Oh, nice, great, great. That's great. <laughs> that means you don't have to give me a coffee because I just won't be. Awake. I can get you a coffee. I just won't be awake. What about like an iced coffee? We, we can play it by ear. We can figure it out. I mean, there's not much playing by ear. You're going to go to sleep tonight in a little bit. I'm going to go to sleep. Ice and then... vanilla latte. <laughs> ice vanilla latte. Ice vanilla latte. Got it. I keep on, uh, I don't know where you're going to start this podcast, but if you want a spot to, to actually start it, I keep on staring. I keep on staring at the, uh, what I assume is sunscreen that's on your glasses. Yes. And I'm just gonna keep on, like, I'm, like well, these focusing. Are, these are my, um, my like, oh, I can put play VR with these glasses. These are my, oh, I can go run in these glasses. These are my old ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm privy to your full repertoire of glasses. Yeah, they're very dirty, they're, they're, but they're the only ones I can comfortably wear while I play VR. Interesting. Normally, when I look at you and I do a show, like I, I generally focus on on your left eye, or sometimes there's like a pimple on your forehead. Maybe I'll look at that. But <laughs> but right now, it's it's gonna be the 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 smears of. Uh, it's not on the lens. It's on the frame. Correct. It's on the frame. For anyone who really wants me to paint a picture, it looks like it looks like Nick took the glasses and like put some powdered sugar on them, and then and then got a little bit of lotion on them, and that's that's just what I'm looking at. I think that it's important to have like a focal point. So that you can like pay attention to something and someone, like when you look out in the audience, when you, when there's an audience in front of you, you like pick a focal point. Mm-hmm. I think it's important in in, in like all types. See, of- I like to connect with my. I like to look directly at them, so it feels like when I'm delivering my monologue, mm. the person feels like I'm talking to them. Yeah, but that's only one person then. You gotta I know. I gotta. I gotta change it up. Vaguely- you gotta change it up. I want everyone to have a unique experience at the theater that <laughs> night. For the for the stay for your theater. That's that, that's what makes theater special, dude. We're never getting back to the theater. No. Never going to the theater ever again. No. It's all over. Poor stage theaters too, like plays and stuff like that. Like they're already on the on the down and out, but like this is really. Yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't want to go before, and now I definitely don't want to go. You know what sounds not appealing? People on stage just screaming as vocal, fucking uh, aerosols fill the theater. So how does Mario do it when Mario's on that stage? He's taking turns. 
he's wowing the crowd with the special timed buttons. The thing is, Mario hasn't been on stage in a minute, which is the problem. Mario's been... Mario was on stage in paper form, and then I guess maybe you can argue in Origami King he was back on stage. But it, it was, was a rotating like a, stage. It was more like a, maybe like an amphitheater, if you even want to call it that. A weirdly circular amphitheater, which makes me wonder how Mario gets in and out because he'd have to go through the bleachers, but that's a whole different conversation. Mm. But Mario, for the longest time, wasn't really you know performing in front of an audience. And I think there was a bunch of people on the internet who were upset about that. And you know what? I don't want to out myself, but I think myself included. I think that Joey Thimian was upset about the course of Paper Mario games post the Thousand Year Door. Are you posting on the subreddit? Present. You're angry about it? You're like, damn, Nintendo, they don't know what we want anymore. I mean, I know that we've had this conversation before, but it just truly makes no sense to me why they don't listen to <laughs> what the fans want here uh, because it's, there's such vocal support for people just want a very specific type of game and i like mario rpgs i think they're cute i think they're well written i think they're polished for what they are i think they're they're, they're there's a time. lot of things that are good about them and most of all they feel good the mechanics feel good maybe nintendo's worried that there isn't a market for for that kind of game anymore well hear know? me out people First off, this is a really weird lead to Barry because I know that everyone is listening to this episode knowing what we're going to talk about because they clicked the episode title. And if you didn't, you should tweet at me. Well, because maybe, maybe they don't know what it is. They're on like the podcast scroll mm-hmm. and like it's autoplay and they got to this point and they're too lazy to like flip it over or like look what they're listening to. But in February 2018, there was an Indiegogo posted by South American developers with this idea for a game that was, hear me out, this is going to be groundbreaking, a Paper Mario spiritual successor in the truest form. One might even say a ripoff, because the whole point of this campaign, which, by the way, raised over $25,000, which I assume for a small team of developers in South America is a substantial amount of money. Yeah. They got. They wanted to make a game called Bug Fables. And Bug Fables is basically, hey, you know those two Paper Mario games that you actually liked when you were a child? It's that. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's the pitch. The pitch is, this is the Paper Mario game that you want to play. And I didn't know about Bug Fables until it was released. I don't know how it, like missed my 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 entire sphere i'm coming to this game probably like you know two years after announcement of indiegogo you know actively in release i bought it on pc and then proceeded to also buy it on switch so i can play it normally when it came out wow i know so i made up for the not supporting them by supporting them double time later before i even played the game because you know i'm like you know what I guess I can I guess I can give homie some money and I guess I kind of want to try their game and we talked about it on the Paper Mario episode we've talked about it on Cyber Garbage Bug Fables is interesting from a lot of different perspectives but I think from the top level the question should be did Bug Fables accomplish what it set out to do I was a little bit apprehensive about playing Bug Fables. It was a game I was definitely interested in. I heard about the Indiegogo, and I was like, oh, I'm going to keep this on my radar. This seems like something I'd enjoy. And over the years, I just kind of forgot about it, and then you started playing. I was like, oh, yeah, that would be a fun one. i got to play that. And my only concern with wanting to play it was me trying to come to terms with, 
what if the only reason why I like the Paper Mario games is because it is wrapped in a Mario look? What if it has? What if the Mario skin really is the only appeal of of these types of games? And when it's not Mario, I just won't care anymore because I'm. This is like you know, is it just I'm a Nintendo shill and I'll eat up anything Mario, or is this a fundamentally fun style of game? And I think. At the beginning of Bug Fables, it was definitely leaning towards the latter. Where I was like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not really liking this." It feels initially, it felt like it completely misunderstood what made Paper Mario fun. And to me, the thing that makes Paper Mario fun is outside of the fun writing and the fun, like leaning into the paper aesthetic. It's the idea that combat was something that I had to actively pay attention to in order to. One, make things go by quicker, and two, do more damage. And so first red flag for me, when I went into the over the overworld area and I tried to attack an enemy, it didn't do any damage to it. In fact, I was like, why can't I, why can't I attack it? Like, I, I tried jumping on a dude. I was like, okay, I guess I can't jump on people. What's going on? And I can only get two turns with, you know, if I stun someone and then I run into them, then a, a party member can attack twice. I'm like, okay, well, that's a little bit different, but whatever. But... Something weird happened with this game. I think, I think about like right in the middle of chapter two, I was like, "Oh no, this is working now. I like everything that's happening. I'm vibing. I'm digging it because it is not just Mario. It is not just Paper Mario. It is not just a thousand year door two, but with bugs. I think it is an evolution." Of Paper Mario. It is an evolution in that it did something I've always wanted Paper Mario to do. Make the partners characters that I can actively be more strategic with. You know, have some sort of party workflow instead of a secondary spot that was just always occupied by whatever cast member of the week I happen to be a part of. And what I realized, this is a Paper Mario game that made sweet, sweet love to Super Mario RPG because it is essentially a Paper Mario Final Fantasy game which is exactly what I didn't know I wanted. Yeah, I think that by and large they accomplished their mission of we are going to make a game for the people who want to play a Paper Mario classic style game in 2020. Mm-hmm. Happy, right? They accomplished that. Um, because it, because it does have all of those hallmarks, why people came to that series. It is a love letter to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it isn't just a straight one for one copy. It's not a reskin there. While it, it's mostly that. Yeah. It's also, it does have those slight evolutions, those slight tweaks to kind of make it more modern, which I think a game needs in order to bring it into modernity. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that it goes ahead and takes those swings. I think that when I look at Bug Fables, I am on a whole happy. I'm, I'm happy. I think that I had a really good time. To, I mean, how long did it take you to play the game? Um, I think altogether, because I did kind of a lot of side quests, 26 hours. I, it definitely didn't take me that long. I was going to say it probably took me about 20 to 22 hours if I had to guess. And I also did a decent amount of side quests, uh, but, but not, not a big hunk of them. Mm-hmm. Like I fought all the super bosses. I think I did almost all the super bosses. I think I missed one or two. Um, the the thing is, is that like the game has super bosses. That's my thought. 
That's so cool. It does a lot of things that are really cool, and people are like, "Oh, it's like it's like Paper Mario meets Hollow Knight," or it's like, "Oh, look, there's bugs." Um, but it left me realizing how much I want this style of game, but disappointed me in the fact that there is just a level of polish that's missing mm. from games that you're... Because directly you compare these two games to to Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door, right? Right. Games that are immaculately polished by Nintendo because they're like first-party important titles that are like big things for them, right? Yeah. Made Bug- by a team of, you know, 50 to 100 devs. Exactly. You know, Bug Fables, all things considered, small game. Not, not in scope, but in development team size, yeah. in resources size. So there's things that I think if given more time to develop, more money, more resources, that it could have blossomed into something that, you know, was quite the level that I was looking for. But I think that it, that it misses on a couple of things. Like, I think that, that some of the fidelity is, is missing, not necessarily in the paper aesthetic part, but just like... Bug Fables is missing a lot of animation work. Everything is pretty static. Mm. Um, I never really noticed that, actually. It, it's hard. It's hard to be kind of emotive mm-hmm. uh, with the characters. I think. Uh, I think that there's some mechanics in Bug Fables, not in the combat system, but in the overworld. Yeah, that are just simply like maybe good on paper. Oh, I have the hiccups. I'm sorry. Or good for variety, but but feeling them out playing doesn't quite work. Most notably, like why is there a stealth section in this game that doesn't yeah. like work? That's a bad stealth section. Bad? Why is there so much where you have to like freeze drops of water with one party member and then switch to another one to like kick the blocks of ice around, but then you can't actually really control the direction the yeah. ice kicks in, so it's clunky. See, it, it's an see. Those are ideas I like. Like I like the idea that this is taking something from another RPG, an old GBA one called um, "Whoa, I Just Lost It." Golden Sun. Mm-hmm. Where basically every party member could acquire different magical entities tied to an element, and when you combine different entities, it gave you special spells that you could use in the overworld to manipulate the overworld in order to get new items, um, solve puzzles. So it is very reminiscent of that type of RPG. But the thing that made something like Golden Sun fun was that it was. Oh, the magic came in figuring out and experimenting with the different elemental creatures. In this, it's frustrating because it never particularly feels good to do anything outside of combat. You know, whether it be trying to get initiative on an enemies, it never quite has that same, like, you know when in Paper Mario when you jump on an enemy and you get that first strike, it has that sound effect and that pop that just feels good? Or it's just like you... You feel like you're in the right space in the physical yeah. world. I feel like Bug Fable struggles with identity, with you having mastery of where you are it, in the it physical world. It just doesn't world. quite come together. Same with the swapping party members in order to solve different puzzles. I like the idea that there are these different puzzles, especially the optional ones that are in the end game mm-hmm. that get you access to special badges and items. And I think that they're genuinely interesting puzzles, but I often found myself. I know what I have to do, but I can't seem to ever throw this boomerang in the right 
direction that I know I need to throw it and hold it because, oh, great, V started flying when I meant to throw the boomerang. Or, okay, I threw the boomerang up instead of to diagonal left. Like, what's going on, man? I've been playing this game for 26 hours. It still doesn't work. But that said, I do think that the game is, I think it's larger than a Paper Mario game. Yeah. I think it has way more content, not only from just a story perspective, but hundreds of side quests. That there's so much packed in. There's lots of like optional bosses. There's mini games. There's like an entire arcade with two like full on new games. I was like, I wasn't expecting to see an arcade at the end of the game. Like, this is kind of cool. And they're like interesting games. One of them, one of them is a Flappy Bird clone, and the other one is like a weird first person RPG thing. But it's just like you didn't need to do this, but I kind of love that you did. There's a Coliseum. There's so much content for this game this is a game that if you want a good ass rpg that is in the vein of paper mario like this is the thing like your nintendo's clearly not gonna give it to you bug fables is what origami king i think should have been from a gameplay standpoint and i would argue it is on par with a lot of the writing in paper mario which is interesting because it is made by a much smaller writing team Mm -hmm. and people from south america so there is a little bit of a, a gap there, which I appreciate because I thought all of the humor worked. I thought the drama worked. And speaking of the drama, I do think setting this outside of the Nintendo wheelhouse does allow them to do some interesting stuff with some of the story beats. Um, so for those who aren't aware, Bug Fables is about uh, a land of bugs that I think all occupy just a yard yeah, it's like a yeah, it's it's very small. <laughs> like the ocean is like a puddle with like a tire, an abandoned tire and stuff. Like it's really cute. And I th- I love the set dressing of it. But in this bug kingdom, there is this this kingdom of uh what is I always got confused with like it's the ants and then there's it's, it's the ant kingdom and they have this this uh this entity of organization of explorers called the Explorers Club or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and different groups of bugs team up to form differing, uh, differing uh, adventure squads to go and set about and do quests. Very reminiscent of like the old like uh, Knights of the Round Table. Like people are gathering to set out to do good and uncover new lands and stuff like that. And you play as a rookie one. You play as initially uh, V, who is a, a tiny little bee and then you also control leaf who i'm sorry kabu who is a giant like uh beetle kabuto beetle green uh and then eventually you uncover and again v is your like ranged attack person who can hit flying enemies whereas kabu is like your your brawler your tank usually the front lines but can only hit the person directly in front of them and then you have to rescue a character in the first dungeon named leaf who is a moth with a mysterious secret who is also a magic user who can um, shield and also attack enemies with ice. So overall, a pretty standard like RPG party, your ranged fighter, your actual fighter, and then your magic user. Yeah, all with different abilities for the overworld, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Leaf, Leaf makes ice blocks and, you know, brings shields and Kabu can dig underground and he has a boomerang for switches and can fly, so... You know, every party member has multi-uses for the overworld and then multi-uses and very distinct personalities in the party. And I think it's a... Each character, like, I was worried. I was like, am I not going to care about these characters at all? Because I'm like, 
you know. I didn't for a minute. I didn't for a minute either, but they grew on me, and I I learned to love these characters. I love V. I love Leaf. I love Kabu. Kabu's probably my favorite, but like, I'm just thoroughly impressed because oddly enough, like, it feels weird because uh, I couldn't help but thinking of Hollow Knight while I play this entire game, just because of a lot of the designs share some similarities. But like, I kind of have this weird headcanon where like this takes place in a more positive Hollow Knight world or something. Like they just they fit together nicely from a world building perspective. But there there's some interesting story beats like with Leaf when you first meet Leaf. It's like, well, what's going on? They refer to themselves as them, which is one progressive. That's cool. That's interesting. I have not played a character who is a them before. But then you realize that it is a literal them in that there's. Uh, two entities in one you know there is leaf the 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 shell and then there's this mysterious force that is puppeteering leaf which you later learn to discover like leaf was actually murdered in a cave and his body was experimented on and by experimentation it was like these weird like worm parasites Mm -hmm. that inhabit the body and give give them magical powers i'm like this is kind of dark like he they lost contact with their family then you have to reunite them with their i'm like there's just a lot of cool story beats that i was not expecting from a game like this yeah it's definitely mature it's interesting that you bring up hollow Knight. i think that's very natural it's like oh it's paper mario cross hollow Knight, which i mean i guess you can make that on a surface level it's also interesting that why is everyone ma- remaking classic nintendo games with bugs now like what are we gonna get next like legend of zelda cross moss like i don't know <laughs> What the, what the thing is going to be next, but um, you know, it, it there is a lot of depth and breadth here, and you know, with, with with the storytelling, with the side quests, with the side missions, with the main missions, with the chapters, I would even argue that this game probably could have benefited from paring itself down, maybe ten to fifteen percent, to tighten up what it had, mm-hmm. like. I could have been okay with one less world or area for all of the other ones to feel a little bit more cohesive or tight. And that's not saying that anything isn't cohesive or tight. I think the game is like relatively well made, definitely above average, but it just it it feels I I think my brain playing this game is playing it thinking it could be a Nintendo game, but it's just not a Nintendo game because of what we talked about before, because of the resources, because of the time, right? So mm-hmm. while it gets close in a lot of areas, I think that part of the reason why Bug Fables falters is that you want to directly compare it to a Paper Mario game. And, uh, yeah, I think you touched on something by, like, if they were to pair back just a tad, I think they could focus more on flushing out the current world. So maybe if they eliminated, I thought that the the far lands, the, the jungle type area, was a little bit lacking, the one where you go in a... Uh, fight the the bees and whatnot yeah and i was like hey this place i feel like lacks the the most personality but i like i really love what they did with the the first town um i think that the hub world of that first town is cool mm-hmm. like i enjoyed revisiting town to see what had changed to see what items are now in stock uncovering the hidden bar where you can fight super monsters or where you can get jobs to hunt the super monsters. Like, that was really cool. And I really loved the city that had the Colosseum. Um, but the thing that did remind me a lot of Paper Mario, and I'm sorry to keep comparing it, but it's the only thing that feels appropriate, is the music. 
the music rocks in this game. Like the music is all so good. It's a lot better than you would expect it to be. It's it's, it's actually very good. it actually kind of takes you aback because you're just like, okay, whatever. Like it's it's game music, right? Mm-hmm. When you sit down, you're like, wait, do I like these songs? And yeah. they're kind of memorable. It's uh, I was thoroughly impressed with the music way more than other little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. It, it all, I think it. I think the music does a lot to flesh out an environment in like tone and feel and atmosphere and whatnot. How do you feel about Bug Fables working off the chapter system where everything is like, hey, find the magical item. Okay, can you find the next magical item? Oh, no, we need a different magical item now. Like, it seems kind of, you know, gamey in a sense at times like this. I, I, I didn't mind it one bit because it did feel very much, you know, like Paper Mario. Paper Mario is broken into chapters and they're all very much, hey, go find this. Now go find this. Hell, Odyssey even does that. Like, oh, go stop Bowser from getting the wedding cake. Stop Bowser from getting the flower. Stop Bowser from getting the champagne or whatever. So it doesn't feel weird. It it feels like a storybook to me. It feels like a a children's storybook that I honestly looked forward. I loved seeing what the next environment was because I love the idea of what everyday mundane object is this new world going to be set in. I think it has the same appeal as something like a Pikmin, where I love seeing something that I see every day reinterpreted through the lens of something microscopic, and how you turn, you know, a tabletop into a, a fleshed-out world. How do you turn a puddle into an open world where you can navigate via submarine with like little islands and stuff you can hop off of uh, the metal lake or the metal island mm. that is just what, like a tin can or something? Yeah. Like that rules. I love stuff like that. So seeing that was, I think, part of the draw of the chapter six, uh, section for me. And it all felt interesting because it's like, oh, uh, the honeybee thing? Like, oh, that's probably where I'm going to learn about V's, like upbringing and stuff like that. And, like, hearing about uh, Kabu's background with his old adventuring squad where they died in the Far Lands to this creature. Like, I liked seeing the stories because I think it, it really humanizes, quote-unquote, every <laughs> environment to every character in the game, which is cool. I think the, the game does some stuff pretty uh, cute, too. Uh, all the fast travel is through ant tunnels, which yeah. I think it's, like, super smart and, like, really thematic and just a thoroughly great idea. Fast travel is interesting because of just there's a lot of stuff you have to remember in the game in terms of like if you're trying to accomplish quests or remember where people are like not all the NPCs are super memorable. Mm-hmm. Some of them in the game isn't super balanced. If you want to go get like that 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 stew that one of the bugs makes, it's like just infinitely heals you basically. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of overworld walking around, which doesn't always feel super good, um, but. I I wish, you know, speaking of like the open world not feeling particularly good to move around, the one thing that I think would have made this game sing in the first chapter, first two chapters, is giving me the abilities that I get later in the game, early on, because ultimately I felt like the only character I needed to ever use in the overworld was V, because it felt like the only way I could reliably get a first hit on someone. Um, but I think if, if you were to shake it up where, you know, if, if I got some more useful ability with Kabu or Leaf in the opening sections, I think it would have done a lot as far as like the heavy lifting for the world building that was happening to making open world, like the the navigation of the overworld interesting. But I think a lot of that's relegated more towards the end game that I feel like that, that the, the way I moved around the map at the end of the game felt way more fun than 
uh, how it was at the beginning of the game. And I know that, you know, that's part of the appeal. You unlock stuff. But I feel like there's just something there that needed some reworking. Yeah. I, it's, it's again, like, it, it, it feels weird to nitpick something that is, like, such a passion project. And yeah. ultimately, like, again, like, they... This isn't like a two hundred thousand dollar game. Like this is this is a this is a relatively small project that has achieved, I would argue, great heights, and that I think more people should play, especially if they're fans of the series. Even if you're like not a giant Paper Mario fan, but just like someone who likes RPGs, I think that there's value here for you. Um, so like, it's definitely something that I would recommend to a lot of people. But I still feel like it's important to kind of highlight the reasons why it's not like 10 out of 10 or phenomenal or, or something. And maybe I'm doing a little bit too much to tear it down, but I, I, I thought the combat was really interesting. You know, it does take the Paper Mario approach of, of it, it, the combat is very Paper mario with the exception of there are some additional things you can do in battle with additional turns. You can like pass a turn from one character mm-hmm. in your party to the next, but if someone goes more than once their damage gets reduced by one point yeah they get tired which i think is like a really interesting mechanic yeah oh it's great i i think it it adds a much needed level of strategy to turn-based games that i think ultimately lack it like the big problem with final fantasy is a lot of times it's usually just fight 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 hit the x command the entire time so all my enemies all my guys attack the one enemy Mm -hmm. whereas in this one i felt like i actively had to evaluate the combat scenario to figure out okay what's the optimal way to get out of this situation and i like that yeah and it's fun like the the rotation of characters and their actual positions important mm-hmm. uh both you know in combat and in the overworld uh the 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 tired mechanics fun most of the items and badges which are just you know straight paper mario are fun i think it's really interesting that the game goes for an approach the entire way through where uh numbers don't get big like you're kind of always doing like, you know, one to seven points of damage. It's yeah. not like, you know, you start off doing two points of damage and then by end game you're doing 30 points of damage, right? right? Like there's a really consistent and like elegant small number math that's going on where, you know, end game you're still, most of your attacks are doing like two, three damage. Yeah, so, I think the most HP that an enemy ever had in the, the main campaign, I think it was the optional boss that's like 94 HP. Which isn't that much in the grand scheme of RPGs. Yeah, because you're used to like numbers being like, oh, they have like 20,000 health, but yeah. my critical attack does 7,000 damage. Yeah. Where it's just like this inflation of numbers where Bug Fables doesn't do that. Like things are kept really simple, mm-hmm. which, is, which is nice. It feels appropriate given the, the stakes and the, just the setting of the world. It feels small but appropriate. And the thing that I love about it to compare it to Origami King, Paper Mario, is that I enjoyed and wanted to engage in combat in Bug Fables. Yeah. I intentionally started encountering it in Need for XP mm-hmm. or for stuff like that. I sought out extra fights, you know. I had a good time with the grind part of it. Mm-hmm. It's not super grindy, but you can choose to do some grinding to level yourself up, right? Like any yeah. decent RPG, really. And I was engaged in that grind unlike I was in, you know, I avoided every encounter in, in origami, origami yeah. that i could because it was just there's no in- there's time. no incentive in origami king whereas this has very real incentives you know but that said i leveling up in this game was weird for me because i feel like anytime i leveled up i was just like oh i'm just gonna pour it into flower points the the thing that basically allows you to do your special abilities because the more you do that the quicker the battle's over and then you're good to go that's the way I saw it. Like when I ended the game, I think my party had like 17 HP each, roughly. 
and then I had like 21 metal points that I could use, but I poured, I had like 62 flower points. So I poured all of my level up into that because I felt like that was the best use of a level up. I definitely spent a lot of my money on metal points. I think that the badge system is actually what can potentially break the game the most if you yeah. have access to the right things. So badge points and health is kind of what I focused on. I did have enough flower points to like do the abilities that I needed to at strategic times, but I didn't focus on just like flower abilities the entire time. I didn't necessarily enjoy the, I guess if you want to call them mini games or micro games for combat for a lot of the flower point abilities. They were just like, okay, sometimes they didn't always feel uh, crisp. Kind yeah, of like the other v, elements the, of the V game. multi-throw boomerang where you have to like press A at the right times, that never felt right to me. It never felt right. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the thing with, with Bug Fables is that there's there's little parts of it that just don't feel right, but that's because you're not thinking... I think that you play this game like you're expecting some kind of a AAA experience because yeah. of like what it is, what its predecessors is. You're, you come in, you realize that it's good, and then you expect more from it than it can give you, which is, I think, the flaw here is that the you, if you're someone coming in with Paper Mario, you have expectations higher than you need to have for this game to have the most fun out of it. If you come in with sky-high expectations, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I think disappoints you a little bit. If you come in with at the right level of expectations, you're going to realize that Bug Fables is like, they they did what they said they were going to do. This is a spiritual successor to old-school Paper Mario games. This is a fun RPG. This is a slight ele- uh, ev- evolution of the, of the series, right? So I think that it hits almost universally and anything that people want to complain about are small gripes that, that I'm sitting here yeah. like you know splitting hairs about like oh well you know there's overworld stuff that's fun or oh there's a stealth section or blah 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 like it's it, it has a large variety of stuff you're doing it has a bunch of different environments it has different abilities it takes all the stuff you like about Mario our old Mario RPGs so like you have to give it all the credit that it deserves for doing what it's set out to do. And I think anyone who is saying that they want that Mario experience should try and play Bug Fables. I don't think it will satisfy everyone. And that's because there's going to be people who come to it either with too high of expectations or just wanting a Mario game. And it's not a Mario game. No, It's a game that's modeled after Mario games, but it is not a Mario game, which I think is something that maybe people haven't fully divorced in their idea of Paper Mario the game type versus Paper Mario the Mario game. And that's where it could get tricky for some people who are like, man, I just want to walk around on Yoshi. Versus, oh, hey, like I just want to play a game with fun combat mechanics that have, you know, action commands. Yeah. I think it feels good, and and they even throw some chrono trigger in there with the dual techniques and the triple techniques that utilize different party members' abilities together. Any game that does that instant instant little bump for me, I love that stuff. Love that party synergy. Yeah, it's man. I I liked my time playing Bug Fables. That last boss sucks though. Let's be real. I hated that. The last, last boss. boss isn't super fun. The, <laughs> the last area is really cool though. Yeah. I love the last era. The fact that it takes place in like a fridge or like a, 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 a kitchen pantry that leads into the fridge. But great, great idea for a last area. Mm-hmm. Fantastic idea. People should play Bug Fables is my takeaway from this. Yeah. I think, it, I think people should play Bug Fables. People who were like, man, 
Nintendo's ruining Paper Mario. Why can't they just make Paper Mario? I don't want Origami King. Play Bug Fables. It's the Paper Mario game you want. Yeah. Just plain and simple. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm excited that for the team behind this. I I kind of want them to make another one. Like I, I would I, play another one. I, I would happily play another one. I, I think it would be refined. I'm I'm sad that the, the my adventure with the Leaf and Kabu has ended, and now I want to revisit them, but like in a new setting, in a new world. Yep. I I I'm with you, dude. I'm I'm happy for Bug Fables. I don't think that it's a game of the year contender but i think it's an important game for a very specific subset of people who've been complaining on reddit for about 10 years (laughs) yeah for sure so (laughs) i think that means that we have to do the thing that we do at the end of episodes where we set new homework for other people i'm just gonna go out and say it this time you're just gonna say it yeah are we allowed to just do that yeah the next game we're gonna play is Monster Train. Monster Train? Monster Joey, Train. That sounds like a fake game. That sounds like a fake game, but it's not. I promise. Hear me out. Here's my elevator pitch for Monster Train. Hey, did you like Slay the Spire? You might like Monster Train. <laughs> <laughs> so there you, know you have it. fucking loved Slay the Spire? Us. Yeah, we did. So I'm interested to see if Monster Train has that same... Sounds like a kid's television show. That same chef's kiss as Slay the Spire because I know people are pretty excited about it. So everybody go um, go play it on PC because it's not on Switch, which I think is actually a negative. I don't want to get into the show yet because I know that that's like next time. You can't I, you can't get mad at a thing for not being on a console. Yep, I think that I think that you're allowed <laughs> to do that for games not on Switch. <laughs> I want to play that in my underwear in bed. You could do that. With what, like a little like portable, like a wireless yeah, mouse, yeah. like a like a like a laptop. Yeah, there? dude. No, fuck that. We have a, a out of all the homes in L.A., ours is definitely the most equipped to do any sort of playing situation. But there you go. You have your homework for next week. We are playing Monster Train.